0: a May's episode of the Vegan Pod. With spring well and truly in the air we're turning our sights to outdoor pastimes and what could be a better way to spend a spring afternoon than getting out into the garden. Gardening is undoubtedly a popular British activity with 87% of British households having a garden and the amount spent on gardening products in the UK per year expected to reach over 6.5 billion by 2025. There's certainly a lot of time and money put into our outdoor spaces. And today we're going to be discussing vegan gardening, something that may be met with confusion when mentioned to gardeners and non-gardeners alike. After all, what isn't vegan about growing your own plants? Well, to help us answer that question and give us some advice on cultivating healthy plants and beautiful gardens, we're joined by Matthew Appleby, editor of Horticulture Week and author of Super Organic Garden, How to Be a Vegan Gardener, and Danielle James, who is a gardener for the Forward Trust and Coombe Grove and has been gardening veganically which I love the sound of I'm going to start saying I'm a veganic gardener uh, for almost 10 years welcome to you both how are you thank you good great to be here
1: yeah good to be here thanks
0: excellent I'm going to start with the same question I ask everybody uh, about your vegan journey so um, I'll start with you first Matthew um, how long have you been vegan and how did it start
1: um, well I went vegetarian in the 80s and I uh, I first went vegan probably the late 90s. (laughs) My vegetarian story started with an album called Meat is Murder by a band called The Smiths in
0: 1985. I know it well.
1: I think that converted a lot of people. And then vegan, I had a vegan girlfriend in the late 90s. So I kind of went vegan then. And that's, that's my story.
0: I uh, I love to hear how it happened for people, and sometimes it's a sudden overnight thing. Sometimes it's like as a you know, as especially the vegetarian thing. It often be as a child, you know, that realization that oh, this is an animal, I I don't want to eat it. But you're you're quite hardcore then, Matthew, because to be vegan in the nineties must have been tough. I was vegetarian from sort of eighteen until twenty sixteen, so that was hard enough. But being vegan, tough times.
1: No, it was funny because it was I was it was in New Zealand at the time, and there wasn't there was hardly anything to eat (laughs) so uh, particularly in restaurants I have lapsed since but you know it's so much easier now as you say.
2: Mm. How about you Danielle? So I think I'm in my 10th year of being vegan I was full on eating everything before that then someone mentioned veganism to me and me being quite stubborn I was like oh I'm gonna try that I'm gonna challenge myself uh so overnight went vegan Within a week, I'd done the research, shocked myself silly, felt immediately better in myself. And then I never looked back. So, yeah, 10 years vegan.
0: That's you see, I like how different <laughs> your stories are, really. You know, you've got that sort of vegetarian, gradual, inter-vegan, few, few influences. And then there's you.
2: There's just like, boom, that's it. Yeah, if it. I do something, <laughs> I tend to go the whole hog, the whole hog. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know, do you know. I say this all the time in this I podcast. Know. There's chicken and egg, there's going cold. Yeah going the whole hog you know it's an interesting idea maybe talking to two gardeners today we'll come up with some new idioms and expressions Mm. and things that lend themselves to a a more plant-based language Um, so the first thing I'm really interested in, in is what things about gardening may not be vegan because most people will think well come on you can't get more vegan than grown plants. so what might we be doing or not even think about or using in our garden that is affecting the environment and affecting the creatures in our garden and supporting non-vegan industries? Um, I'm going to start with you Matthew.
1: Well, the first obvious one is manures so horse manures particularly um, which are obviously the product of a farmed animal so most garden books recommend putting manure on your roses that's a classic but you don't need to do it and in fact in some cases it can be quite damaging because a lot of manures are full of full of weed killer which is used on the field so it might actually kill your plants and you know in in my book which I wrote a few years ago I started um, looking into zoonotic diseases and passing diseases from animals to humans of which I suppose something like covid would be an example
0: i was gonna um, say the most famous of all the zoonose diseases now has got to be covid hasn't it
1: yeah well exactly and i didn't really know what they were when i was looking into it for this book but it turned out to be you know a, a massive a massive thing so that's one and then a lot of fertilizers will have things like blood fish and bone in you know animal byproducts. you know off the slaughterhouse floor you don't actually need them but that you know you need to check it's like you need to check the label on your food I mean, there's plenty more uh, examples and it's and there's and there's a whole kind of you know global piece about wildlife in your garden and growing for health and growing for the environment which is all you know got vegan sort of aspects to it but i will i'll let danielle sort of talk because i don't want to take over <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you Matthew. well we've, we've we've done manure and blood fish and bone i mean it's a horrible I've always you know as a child um you know family you know gardening around me my, my in-laws were very keen gardeners and they were. oh you need it you need a bit of blood fish and bone on that mm-hmm. and you know as a, a, yeah growing into a teenager and a young adult I'm like what you're putting what on it it's never never sounded like a good thing so what other things might we have to look out for in the garden or think about Danielle?
2: So one of the main things I think for a beginner gardener is when you go off to garden centre and you buy your compost a lot of sort of mass-made compost nowadays is is filled like we'll have all all of the things so so your manures it'll be bulked out with your manures and and um a peat from the peat industry um which is not I would say indirectly it's not a, a vegan thing but at the same time it's a massive environmental issue yes there's a lot of bulking things that go into our sort of sort of compost that you'll get from your your local garden center um also though as you mentioned earlier about veganic gardening organic gardening just not killing your pests um pesticides i mean one of my favorite things in the garden is to actually watch my so-called pests and quite enjoy watching my bugs and my bees and and everything else and and kind of incorporating that into my process of gardening but a lot of people will say oh you you need to spray that or you need to just just squidge those aphids you know and it's like I don't really want to (laughs) we'll
0: we'll come back to pests because you know they are uh uh, well pests not a nice word is it but you know there are wonderful beautiful creatures in your garden Mm. that are potentially going to interfere with or impact Mm -hmm. the result you want so you know ways of all living harmoniously we'll come back to that but i just wanted to ask you about your own gardens and spaces matthew what you know you i would imagine you know my head you've got a huge garden and you grow absolutely everything flowers vegetables what's your garden space like
1: my gardens i live in london so it's not that big Uh, but i do have an allotment so that's where i do my growing and um, a written book about allot- allotment before, so I'm, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I, I, I come down to my allotment and it looks great. <laughs> well, it's much better to come down in the winter, but, uh, the, but... <laughs> when it's not really overgrown. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but I yeah, but, but allotment is 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 where I try and grow a bit of you know fruit and veg basically, and uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's 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 me. I mean, and I grow a bit in, inside as well, like everybody these days.
0: And when you say you grow a bit inside, you, you, are you talking houseplants or are you talking, you grow edible stuff inside or?
1: I just collect houseplants because they just turn up and I get given them. So I've got houseplants on most shelves, but I've got a few, you know, veg plants on the windowsill. Um, yeah. You know, tender stuff, which, you know, it's a bit risky to put outside. You know, I've got an aubergine there at the moment, for instance.
0: Plants taking over your world. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> yes, it's a good thing. Yeah. What, what about you, Danielle?
2: So at the moment I'm in rented accommodation in Wiltshire. So we recently moved from, I had an allotment for seven years previously in Hertfordshire, which I adored and was heartbroken that I left it. But I now live where a lovely big garden, but obviously it's rented. So there's a limit to what I can do because I need to put it back to grass when I leave. I was going to say,
0: because you can't dig that lawn up. They don't tend to like that. I mean, I've got a very flexible
2: landlord we're but, not that quite progressive no. yet.
0: Maybe <laughs> in ten years' time, it'll be compulsory yeah. to get rid of a lawn and grow food the way we're going. But yes,
2: yeah. yeah. So at the moment, I'm mostly container growing. Um, I've got some pallet collars which are brilliant little fold-out kind of beds, basically that um I've got from the pallet industry that I've plumped on my lawn and filled with compost, and I'm growing my little veg garden in that. And then. Uh, the gardens that I work in I kind of get my enjoyment from that as well it's not really work (laughs) I'm surrounded by my lovely plants every day Um, and and talking of
0: enjoyment what what does it do for you gardening because it's a funny thing I, I my relationship with gardening has been sort of on and off depending on where I've lived you know I've lived in flats with absolutely no kind of outside space and I've lived in places with huge gardens that have been well you know like you rented I once had a rented place so I couldn't do much but the garden was huge and it was a bit overfacing you know mm-hmm. it's like what do you there were bits of it that were wilderness and I did grow vegetables there but it's you know it's sort of I've been from feast to famine with gardens and so sometimes I've been really into it and sometimes not but you know when people say oh I'm not really a gardener and I know I don't Get how if you have that space once you've stepped out into the sun's out the birds are yeah. tweeting you know flowers start to come out it's it's kind of intoxicating I think
2: but but what do you, what do you get out of it Danielle um, for me I just feel incredibly centered it can be very overwhelming and I, I kind of get get that aspect of it from the beginners um, when you kind of don't know where to start but just stepping out into my space or any space I just feel very grounded and my anxiety is gone i actually uh for my work at the forward trust is that it's a uh addiction rehabilitation center and i do uh, a sort of a gardening group for a lot of the the people that are, are in the center and within an hour a lot of them are saying this is better than therapy every week wow. so, yeah it's 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 a massive impact on mental health for me and for others
0: there's been a lot of research, hasn't there, about mm-hmm. just even being near soil and, and what it yeah. kind of emits, you know, being being in a forest and, be, and, and getting, disturbing those microbes with your fingers and your feet and, and everything that that gives you. So that doesn't surprise me, but it's lovely to hear. And, and what about you, Matthew? What do you, what do you get from being in the garden and gardening?
1: Well, I mean, the back garden is just like another space outside the home. You know, I do work quite a bit from home. So it's been a long winter this year. So it's nice actually to get out and sit in the garden a bit now and look at what's been coming up there's plenty of flowers plenty of bulbs things come up in succession so it's quite a satisfying relaxing feeling to sit out there and you know get, get you into a different mind space and down allotment is quite a bit of it's a bit of exercise i quite like it in the winter actually in the allotment because uh you know i can you know barrow some wood chip around and get a bit of a bicycle down there so it gives me a whole a a whole workout really um so for body and 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 mind really and uh you know if you want to go down on a busy busy Saturday and Sunday in the spring and talk to people that's great but sometimes it's quite nice just go down there and get a bit of a bit of space
0: I hear what you're saying about the, the sort of exercise and the winter gardening, because I quite like the destructive bits of gardening, <laughs> which yeah. sounds awful. I like I like cutting things back, you know, mm. especially things that really and may, maybe this isn't very veganic, but, you know, things like brambles or something, yeah. you know, and they've kind of just got too much. You know, I'm going to have to deal with that. It's very satisfying. And I like, yeah, kind of changing spaces or or dealing with things. But then I get nervous when it comes to actually I get nervous about growing things I feel much more confident to kind of remove things or clear things clear that's it I feel tidying and clearing I feel quite confident about but then I don't often always feel very confident about what's put in its space it feels like it feels like a big decision um so so talking of that, if people are listening here who, you know, maybe like you, they might be in rented, Danielle. They might have just a mm-hmm. little bit of little postage stamp of lawn at the back of their house um, and they want to spend more time in there. What you know, what how would you suggest people
2: start? I think the only way to start is just by buying a pack of seeds and plunking it in the ground and watching it. I think that's, that's the bit that got me was when I I kind of started watching my seed babies and you kind of sit and watch them every day and go, oh, they have grown. Oh, oh, they all, oh, they've got bigger. Oh, oh. And it's so rewarding in that sense. So you then start to think, oh no, I'll, I might plant something else now and, oh, I'll plant something else. So just sow the first seed. that That's, that's my only advice really. Just uh, get something in the soil and watch it.
0: And actually, there's something lovely about growing, um, you know, vegetable seedlings on your mm. window ledge. You know, like you're yeah. saying, Matthew, you growing them indoors, and every morning you get up to make a cup of tea, and you're like, "Oh my goodness me, something's come up overnight," and then the next day, like it's got two more leaves, and that, that is that is very joyous. What would your tip be to a first to, to a sort of you know early entry gardener, Matthew? Oh,
1: Cracking. I'm just trying to remember why I started. Uh I mean, I lived in rental accommodation. I remember sort of. Digging away in the front garden um, and and finding free packets of seeds. You know, it's, it's a pretty cheap startup, really, with see, with seeds, which you can, you know, get for, for free from some places. I guess the indoor gardening is, is 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 good. I mean, I, the first allotment I got, I just knew a guy who said, you know, an old guy who said, oh, can you help me a bit? So that, that's a way of doing it. There are, you know, if you know somebody who, who's got, you know, a big garden or an allotment then you know see if you can help and ask for have, have a little bit of it
0: yeah and to have all that knowledge passed down as well I mean that can also be a bit overwhelming when you've got somebody's really knowledgeable and they're like oh that's an agapanthus and that's and you're like oh I don't know what you're doing I can't remember what you're saying but there are so many apps as well now you can take a picture of mm-hmm. something you like and find out what it is so if you see something growing and you think I want to grow that I suppose that that makes it a bit easier to do um, so we touched on pests uh I, I what so what can we come up as vegans what can we come up with as a new term to not call them pests Critics. beneficial ben, beneficial Benefic- insects they are,
2: everything, everything is beneficial beneficial in insects so
0: let's talk about the beneficial friends in the garden a lot of people's go-to would be you know i'm going to have to get rid of them because they're going to eat my plants you know especially i think when you start growing vegetables you get very upset when you know they start eating your vegetables mm-hmm. what how can we garden more veganically how can we deter the pests that are really going to ruin things and how can we encourage things that might take care of those pests those those beneficial friends themselves
1: well it's tricky when I wrote this book I started talking about hug a slug and and uh, this got quite a lot of publicity because people hate slugs and you know, I did. I, I, did this, I talked about this on TV and the radio and I got absolutely ripped into this is about five years ago, four or five years ago. I think, you know, even the RHS now are saying, you know, slugs aren't pests. Slugs can be good. But So, so what can uh, a
0: slug be good for out of interest? Because I have to say, I'm also not a slug fan. You know, I don't go killing them, but. If I see slugs or slug trails, I'm like, oh mm-hmm. no, the slugs
1: are here. Well, they'll eat they'll eat the sort of waste in the garden, um, like but
2: composters aren't they?
1: Basically. Yeah, yeah. But but, but they obviously they'll eat your nice fresh green plants. So <laughs> you know, I I've been I, I I held off planting stuff in the allotment until the last few days when it's got dry because if you plant in wet, you know, in a sort of wet environment, they're going to lap it up. I also sort of try to protect them so it's about kind of barriers really rather than killing and there are a number of barriers and there's sort of old wives tales like copper tape and you know uh, coffee grounds and you know but you can use kind of rough material on the ground like some sort of wood chip which they don't really like um, sliding over. So I was going to say of...
0: if I was a slug there's probably be lots of things I wouldn't want to slide mm. over I suppose that mm. makes perfect sense you can think, work that out for yourself can't you?
1: But the bottom line with me is and which kind of shocks gardeners if the slug eats it or the pest eats it it doesn't matter you yeah. know i'd, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather it ate, ate my plant that i the than that i killed it
0: i hear you Absolutely
2: agree
0: i like that and what about bigger predators or uh, beneficial friends in the garden Danielle you know what about um, when you're getting onto sort of small mammals and things that might dig and stuff what what's uh, I mean for I'm guessing for you know for a London gardener that might not be an issue but you know uh, maybe on allotments and and uh, in well in my spaces.
2: garden my garden at the moment so I'm on the edge of arable farmland and I have voles everywhere okay. there, <laughs> do, they, do they do they do the voles <laughs> do
0: the voles similar to to moles do they dig and make no they're kind of like little
2: mice really right.
0: cute um, a long nose or is so, that a shrew
2: that's a shrew okay <laughs> <There's> so, <laughs> so many, educational yeah, right, so out many. in the country now there's so many <laughs> things <laughs> i didn't have all of this when i was living in Hertfordshire i must say <laughs> but um so for the voles i think it's just a case of almost sacrificial plants i mean they're they they need to eat same as we do so plant extra that's and... an interesting point i was just thinking <laughs>
0: that when you were saying that matthew i'd rather sacrifice a plant i was thinking well actually yeah, if you just plant twice as much mm. or i guess if you know you know the plants that they really like to eat if you work that out for what they really yeah. come for yeah just plant more of those
2: peas. um peas. they're liking, well the pheasant is very much liking my peas but it's okay because he he comes into the garden and prances around with his girlfriend. So it's fine. I'll, I'll let him off. <laughs> I was going to say your garden <laughs>
0: sounds like a great place
2: to be. It's brilliant. Honestly, coming from <laughs> sort of edge of London area to in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's just been amazing, but yeah, I think it is mostly sacrificial plants, barriers. Um, so netting I've got up at the moment because the pigeons like my brassicas. So I've got some netting to cover that. So you you can get things like carrot fly. So you build up a higher bed so the carrot fly can only only fly at a certain height. So you have a higher bed and they can't quite reach into that bed or you put a nice. dash up. So it's like environmental controls and, and work in your environment as opposed to just controlling this them if that makes sense you can't control nature Mm -hmm. nature's nature no the the other the other
1: the other thing i'd sort of bring up is you know interesting you mentioned pheasants because i was talking to someone about chelsea flower show today and Mm -hmm. uh they'd grown some dandelions for somebody for a Chelsea Flower Show garden, which is quite a novel idea mm. to have a, a weed in a garden. Yeah. And gar- gardens are becoming wilder and more full of weeds. And things like Chelsea are sort of leading that kind of trend. And so if you have a load of weeds in your garden, the chances are you've got more benefits in insects living in the weeds. Mm. And, um, you know, some commercial vegan growers have got things like beetle banks. So they've got like at the side of fields or in, in strips fields, they've got, you know, a load of wild plants growing where you can have, Basically, an ecosystem. So your pests will get eaten by the birds, and Mm -hmm. hopefully, if if you've, if I mean, it's not, it's not one hundred percent exact science, but hopefully, you won't have too much damage if you've got, you know, a a circular environmental system going in your plot. It's pretty hard on a small plot, but in a big field, it's it's Mm. very possible.
0: Uh, it's interesting. I was going to bring up Chelsea actually because I think it's a, a, th- a four out of the 12 gardens all feature weeds at this year's Chelsea Flower Show. And I mm. think there's been there's been some negative, uh, I was gonna say backlash, that might be too strong, but there's been some people saying, well, are they are they even gardens if they've got weeds in them? You know, that's not oh. really gardening and a this weed. rewilding thing's yeah. gone too far. But yeah, it's just a weed, it's just a, a plant oh, that you haven't nice. Yeah, it's a plant in the wrong place. Um, And it's interesting you mentioned dandelions, Matthew, because I made dandelion, well, dandelion honey or dandelion syrup this year for the first time. And it's absolutely delicious. I mean, it's not healthy, it's full of sugar, (laughs) but it's delicious. And and suddenly started seeing that, just by the sheer act of going out and picking a lot of dandelions and becoming quite picky with them, because I'm like, well, I'm going to get the nice big ones that are just at the right point. They're very nice and pettily. I, I, I got really engaged with the dandelions I was like these are so beautiful I've no idea why we think they're weeds because they're so lovely and especially when there's lots of them there's, you know we love to see a, a you know a sea of bluebells in a wood dandelions are so lovely what what plants are there that we should be kind of letting go that are beneficial that we might not like the look of we might they may not be intentional but they're a good plant to keep in the garden
1: well, talk, I me mean, just talking about dandelions. Cleve West is growing them in his garden at Chelsea this year. And Cleve's, Cleve's a vegan. He's written a vegan gardening book called The Garden of Vegan. He wrote the forward to my book uh, last year. Daryl Moore, who another vegan gardener, had a show garden at Chelsea. There's there's quite a big thing going on there, uh, in even in the like top end garden designers. But there's there's nettles at Chelsea this year. There's nothing wrong with having some nettles in your garden, mm-hmm. but you know you don't want to and 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 brambles, but you you, know these are all great places for for beneficial insects but you don't want a whole garden that's full of nettles and brambles because you can't get in it.
0: I was going to say it's a bit like Sleeping Beauty and the prince had to climb through yeah you can't you can't Mm. actually can't access it can you Mm -hmm. Um, but they're all good they're all good I mean nettles are apparently brilliant for bees I think people don't necessarily think you don't think of nettles as being you know great big flowering things but they do flower and bees absolutely love them.
2: Also nettles are delicious Yes. Absolutely delicious. <laughs>
0: yes, the nettle soup is very it's good. Free. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's so it's interesting talking about you know this idea that you know when you start to get vegan gardeners at the Chelsea Gar- garden show, Chelsea Flower Show, growing you know dandelions, you know it, that is quite a move away, isn't it? That feels you know almost quite a sudden move in what we would all consider the right direction. Um, should there be a wider conversation about vegan gardening and vegan agriculture? Are there benefits to uh, implementing some of these organic methods on a larger scale and and should we all be a bit more aware of that?
1: Well, I'd say that would solve most of the world's problems. Yeah. Um so yes, <laughs> <laughs> but simple. it's not it's not as simple it's not as simple as that obviously. but you know Incredible. i help I help with the magazine uh, Growing Greens National, which is part of vegan Organic Network, and that is, basically aimed at bigger stale growers so people like ian Tolhurst um in oxfordshire who's you know this sort of p- patron saint of th- this type of area and uh, you know i talk to these people all the time and they can grow at a big scale or, you know a medium scale and and then do lots of box schemes and you know if, if a lot more of the country was doing that rather than animal farming you know it, you, i mean you name it it would sort it as help you know like emissions you know carbon footprint you know I will let Danielle, who knows more about this than me, probably talk about it.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I completely agree. I also think that it's at the moment, the way the farming and agriculture industry is we're rinsing the soil, um, everything it's got. And we're not kind of giving back to that, which then means that the food that we are eating that's coming from this soil is not as nutritionally dense. Because And our microbiomes aren't as developed because we're not getting that from the soil. So gardening veganically and, and with vegan agriculture, I mean, it's a no brainer, really. Absolutely. Uh, so thinking then of, um, of
0: a soil richness and denseness and, and everything it needs. And we were talking earlier about manure and all the things we shouldn't be using. What can we be using to really put something back into the soil and to really feed our plants?
1: I use quite a bit of wood chip and if it's well well rotted then that works. I mean you've got to be careful with sort of carbon content. But I also make a look grow grow a lot of comfrey, so make comfrey tea out of that. Um, and a um, load of green green manures, like mulch and just sort of mulching generally. These these sort of methods are now becoming pretty mainstream.
2: And also some of those well, a lot of those green manures they're just so beneficial for pollinators as well you've got phacelias and the clovers and the bees go mad for them but also they they fix the nitrogen in our soils and, and they they just build so much so yeah so so talk a little bit animal. about those so
0: people understand what that is so i i don't <clears> know what all the, the green manures are i know i know what com- comfrey does i learned that when i first moved out of london and there was loads of it and um I uh, always used to get my comfrey and my borage confused. Borage is good in pims. Comfrey is good in your compost yep. heap. <laughs> um, look quite similar. <laughs> Listen to me sound very lardy, dar. um But, um, but I, you know, people would always, you know, just again, it would sort of be anecdotal. Somebody would say, oh, yeah, you want to have that. You want to, you know, that that rots down nicely. Put some in your compost heap. Pick it and take it home. But what are green manures and, and how do people get into that? So
2: can... green manures are... <laughs> green manures are basically just plants that you 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 chop up and turn into the soil and a lot of them will uh I know for things like field beans for example they 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 bring up the nitrogen their roots hold the nitrogen up quite high in the soil they've got little um how would you describe it little little balls of new, like nitrogen almost that they just sit on balls of
0: nitrogen that sounds like
2: a superhero <laughs> <laughs> um it just sits up on the root. so you've um it just gets turned into the soil, or or you can no dig it, and and it, in effect, feeds your plants. So uh, yeah. So you
0: don't have to make a compost out of them. You just you grow them, and then you yeah you maybe grow chop them, them up, chop them
2: out. down, um, and then in effect just leave it until it rots, and yeah, you can grow into that. So
0: that sounds amazing. Have you got anything to add to that, Matthew? Have you got any great green compost plants that people should be <laughs> writing down?
1: Oh, it's stuff like clover. I mean, you can buy commercial mixes in, in yeah. seed packets. And, uh, you know, you want to have, I mean, the, the ideal is to have your soil covered all the time with something, particularly in the winter, because it stops sort of erosion. Uh, and um, it obviously creates a, a, a better environment for, for wildlife.
0: So you shouldn't be having bare soil if if you can help it.
1: Well, no, I mean, the classic allotment, you know, in the winter is is dug over, double dug, two two spades deep Mm -hmm. and, and um, looks absolutely sort of beautiful and mine next to it looks absolutely terrible in allotment terms, you know, and they, you know, but, uh, in my terms, I think it looks okay.
0: And and actually, let's talk about no dig, because that's another thing that people are talking about quite a lot at the minute. Um, And I think for a lot of people, that would be like, what do you mean? I don't dig it. I've got to, you know, at the end of the growing season, I've got to turn it over. or I've got to dig the weeds out. And is that literally not digging and just sort of holding your nerve and saying, yep, I'm just going to leave it like it is?
1: um it's it's not quite as simple as that i mean i do quite a bit of hoeing because you you don't you know a weed is obviously the wrong plant in the wrong place and if you're trying to grow some crops you've got you you want to have a place to grow your crops and and you might not have to move some stuff which shouldn't be there but i mean digging upsets the soil structure and the animals in the soil like the worms and you know that's their habitat so no, no digs become very very popular i mean i I I mean, I don't really dig, but you do have to dig a bit Mm. Um, uh, and sometimes, you know, digging is is helpful, you know, if you've got some deep rooted, you know, brambles or something growing in your plot, then you might have to get rid of them or grasses or whatever. Also, you know, I never quite understood with things like potatoes, you know? know, I don't know how I can plant them or dig or get them out. (laughs) <laughs> without, yeah, <to> the, without, <laughs> do, but but I mean there are there are ways if you can mound them up, but you know I'm just yeah, I'm and you just...
0: can kind of fork them out a little bit, can't you? But you have got to disturb the
1: soil. Just be nice to the soil. I think. I mean that's that's a, mm. that, that's that is absolutely vital, and you can see it in the agriculture, as Danielle mentioned before. You know, Britain's soils are much depleted, and you know that, and around the world it's the same. And um you know this the, that's because people have disturbed them so much over the centuries.
0: So, um, you know, when I asked you how to start with, uh, for people who are a bit nervous about gardening, you know, Danielle you said get a packet of seeds and just start with that. And it is lovely to watch them grow. And uh, that does sound like a good way to start. What three plants would each of you suggest as a kind of opening? I'm going to go to the garden centre this weekend. I'm going to get you know get something I mean would you know which three plants and you know would you kind of favor seeds or bulbs or something that's already grown or what what would you go for Matthew?
1: Potatoes are really easy so I've got, and you can grow them in a bucket with some soil in I would say something like strawberries are pretty easy and you know are very rewarding and some sort of like squash courgettes just grown from seed I mean it's fantastic to watch them grow and they you know if you look after them and you feed them and you water them then you're going to get a pretty good crop of something which you know costs a reasonable amount of money but i mean there's millions of things
0: yeah i i, I definitely second courgettes because they mm. you know i mean that, that doesn't always go well year after year but you know when it goes well wow you'll be <laughs> greeting everyone you know with a huge courgette yeah. hi have one of these i've got loads <laughs> um thank you Matthew. and what about you danielle
2: so for me i've again the same same things but also i would say um nasturtium they're they are prolific and they they spread and they'll self seed and they're edible they're beautiful they're brilliant for pollinators and they also they'll go over like a pile of rubble
0: so if you've got a really they're horrible great. area in your garden that you just want to cover up
2: just you know, they're brilliant they're absolutely brilliant and they are delicious again I, I like things i can eat calendula is another one so pot marigolds really beautiful they're a great plant for um tempting away some of those uh Less beneficial insects, shall we say, <laughs> <laughs> um, like flea beetles. They they tend to go to things that are a bit more orange and yellow. And then beans, run a bean. runner bean. Runner or French, um, or both. You know, <laughs> broad. <laughs> I'll oh, broad. Broad. Yeah, broad. Oh, oh there you go, yeah. And they're yeah. a
0: good. Um, they're a good sort of first thing in the in the. Mm. That's sort of one of the first things you'd plant in the year, wouldn't they? Be like you can plant. Well, them in you January.
2: can even Well, some of them you can even plant in November and over winter right okay so they're a good one if you want to keep the soil covered chuck some broad beans in
0: yeah okay good all right well do you know what it's been fantastic chatting to you both like I say I I love being in the garden and I love gardening but I kind of go sort of slightly in and out with it and lose my confidence a little bit depending on where I'm living and what I've got around me but that's been very inspiring so thank you so much and if you're interested in learning more about vegan gardening and agriculture there are some resources on our website vegansociety.com as well as of course Matthew's book super organic garden how to be a vegan gardener and you can also follow Danielle on Instagram at the vegan veg gardeners for more inspiration and gardening tips and do let us know your thoughts on this episode. Are you a gardener yourself? Have you some advice to share? Or are you feeling inspired by the episode and thinking of getting started? You can email us podcast at vegansociety.com or follow us on Twitter at vegansociety, on Instagram at the Original Vegan Society or on Facebook. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next month's episode of The Vegan Pod.